everyone, and we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast, a special show this week, uh, the Tesla Cyber Rodeo special, special if you will. Uh, we have Seth Wentraub joining us as usual. How are you doing, Seth? I'm good. All right. You're joining us live from Austin, Texas, where you just attended the Cyber Rodeo uh, GigaFest event for the opening of uh, GigaFactory Texas. And uh, first of impression, how, how how was the event overall? Uh, how would you rate it? Because you've been at basically every Tesla uh, major Tesla event of the last uh, ten years. Uh, how did it rank <laughs> versus the others? It was big. Uh, the biggest. Texas. It's Texas. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Like you know, usually Tesla events are a little bit smaller. There's like fifteen thousand people here, like a small stadium worth of people, but uh, they were spread out all over the. The factory, I mean, Tesla basically opened up the whole factory, you know, besides a couple areas. So uh, it was pretty impressive. Uh, they had pretty much the whole factory open for people to see stuff. It was all lit up. There were speakers everywhere. Um, sound was, you know, there was kind of ravey type music going on everywhere. Um Yeah, I I, uh, I wanted to ask you that because in, in your live stream, it wasn't ravey music. It was almost like interstellar type of music. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, it almost sounded like you added that to uh, <laughs> through the video. But that was like as you were walking around, like I think you were in the in the body shop at this point. Like that that was the music that was playing. Like the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the whole place. I mean, it's a mile long, and mm -hmm. like. I probably walked like 10 miles yesterday going back and forth. And then, uh, you know, we go up to the third floor where um, the actual like, uh, you know, Elon speech happened, which was also kind of, uh, I would say in some ways, uh, a letdown because we didn't really get much in the way of new news. I knew as soon as he said, hey, we're going to we're going to learn about Tesla's history. It was like. Oh my God! When he said past, present, and future, I was like, "Skip to future, dude!" Uh, everyone that's here right now at the event, everyone who's watching live knows every single bit about the past, right. every single bit about the present. We want to know the future, dude. <laughs> right, right. The future is where we were, and we got a little bit of tidbits of stuff. Yes. On, and and you did uh, some posts on that, which I thought were like, you know, it's it's important to. Think about like, I mean the the one that I don't think is going to be realistic is the robot next year. I, like, you serious? <laughs> that you don't think that Tesla is going to deliver the full humanoid robots uh, robot next year uh, in production? Yeah, that that timeline. Like, uh, I, I wrote I wrote in the post this, uh, yesterday about it. Like that timeline shift like quick because I remember. Like I get excited when Tesla announced a new product. Like anybody, any other like fanboy, I get excited about it. But I remember Elon announcing it kind of as if like, you know what? Like we have everything we can to make this. If we don't make it, someone else will, and we can probably make it safer. So we're gonna do it. It was kind of like a throwaway. Like like he obviously he had already an idea of the impact it could have. Everyone knows that if you can actually deliver the general purpose humanoid robot, you can have a massive impact on, on labor and whatnot. But the way he announced it, like it's, it's also like a kind of pie of the sky project. So he yeah. was like being kind of tentative in his language about it. And then he said at the time, we should have a prototype sometime next year, which is sometimes in, in, in 2022. So they didn't have a prototype back then. 
still don't now as far i know that you you, you, you there was something you take up you took a few pictures it's a statue it's like, a statue right? <laughs> it's i thought for a second it might be another one of those uh, at least it was an opportunity to do one of those gags where someone is hidden in it but actually no. move when someone walks by none of that no it was a statue so if they don't have a prototype and we know like tesla going from prototype to production and elon like loves to say that too how our production is so much more difficult than than prototyping uh it, it's uh it's hard to imagine that they could go from not having a working prototype now to being in production sometime next year it's almost impossible to- yeah so that i mean i think that's just like elon being elon um but something i thought that was kind of understated was the uh that they hope to be 20% of the world's automobiles um and they're at like one and a half percent right now um, well, yeah. I didn't focus too much on that personally because they kind of it's they kind of already said that because Elon already said that they want to be at twenty million cars by uh, 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 twenty twenty uh, yeah. twenty thirty, uh, and that's that's basically twenty percent of like a hundred million cars a year, basically. So twenty million is around twenty percent. Uh, but also, it's it's optimistic. Like no automaker has ever achieved in the last like probably like what eighty years a twenty percent market share. So it's it's very aggressive, but yeah, I mean, looking back at the event, I think obviously like the focus, the the star of the show was was the factory itself, like this uh, machine that built a machine, right. the, the 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 manufacturing, the factory is the product, like all these taglines that Elon has, like this this was uh, the focus was on that. But the most disappointing thing is like I understand that I understand like this is a major project, and congrats to everyone involved. It's the biggest building in the world basically biggest factory in the world it's going to be probably the most uh, highest production capacity factory in the world but okay the well, these people don't get excited really about that like about a, a factory like the hardcore does like for sure like i get excited about it but for for for, for the most part this is not like oh tesla a new factory uh locally it's a big deal obviously for the economic reason and whatnot but on the, on the bigger scale, like the, the big news, I think the m- main news was the start of deliveries of the very first made in Texas Tesla vehicle. I think that that's a big deal. Like that yep. was, a, 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 that would have been basically the, the main headline for, for, for most people, in my opinion. However, they didn't say much of anything about those cars being delivered, even though it should be a completely new version of the Model Y. And it looks like it is, because like, uh, we've seen a, f- a few people manage to get in those cars and, you know, you click the Tesla logo and you get the version of the of the, of the the model. And it was a, a Model Y standard all-wheel drive, which is a completely new version of, a, of the car. But not completely new version, I guess, but uh, we, we saw it on the, on the EPA uh, filings. That was what a few week, a few weeks ago. Yep. But that's it. That's all we got. That, that, every, anything official from it was the EPA filing. That's it. Tesla has never listed the car for sale on the website. Uh, they didn't announce anything about it during the event. Elon just reiterated the impact of having a structural battery pack in the 46 eighty cells. Uh, and so everything we knew about it, of course, weight reduction, uh, simplicity of manufacturing. Uh, he keeps saying like oh, it's safer and and everything, but like we don't have like a crash rating on that just yet. But I, I could I could see definitely how it could it could possibly be safer. But how does that translate into actual specs other than the two hundred and seventy nine miles EPA rated range? Uh, like the, the the weight reduction on, on that, like what it is, the price, like. 
Let's say selling the model uh, Y long range all wheel drive for sixty three thousand dollars now after the price increase last month. Uh, I would assume that they're going to sell that for less, if they, even if it's possibly a better car with the uh, new battery cells, virtual battery pack. It's still the, the actual spec or, or lower, like you get the smaller battery pack in there in terms of energy, total energy capacity. So, like, I, in other words, I'm thinking like, how how did people even buy that car? Because right. they never well, listed it. I think the answer is that these are all Tesla employees that are taking delivery of their cars that would that would make the most sense but then the my second question after that is like what's happening now because the the factory was in production right that, that like they, they, they were producing oh, sure. car yeah so they're producing car right now and uh, tesla is as yet to list that car on the website and to sell them and to like take orders from them so where where uh, where those cars are going to go? Are they all going to go to employees with deals that are made like just internally with Tesla within Tesla? Like, it, how long is that going to be? And um, not only that, like I, the the only thing that I think could make sense for Tesla not to list publicly that that vehicle just yet and take new orders for it is that technically, if there's not a backlog of order for it beyond whatever they sold to employees. They, uh, you could get that car quicker, a lot quicker than the Model Y is back order for a minimum six months and up to like a year at this point. So maybe it would make sense to be for this thing and taking new orders specifically for the Model Y standard uh, all-wheel drive made in Texas to offer it to people that already placed a long-range order. Maybe like the the that they would be willing to take like the the the, the chose that model not because they wanted that 330 miles of range, but just because it was the shortest range and cheapest Model Y that they could buy. Uh, and now if they can have, a, let's say, like a $5,000 cheaper Model Y with uh, 50, uh, what is it, 50 miles uh, range, uh, less range, they, they would take that. You think that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know when they're going to list on the website. They would have to, you know, it has to be publicized before people are going to buy it. Um, there weren't any, like, window stickers or anything um available i don't just you know does tesla even have to do a window sticker i guess well i get it may, maybe there's a workaround if if because like what does it mean to deliver a vehicle like because uh, that that's the only phrasing that they use like the first deliveries like they might have just delivered them internally to employees and, and like there's a way to get around some of the restriction but it it did get listed on the ep website so like that's one of the last step that you need to do before um, before actually uh, getting the car in the hands of of, uh, of uh, outside customers, but at the same time, like you keep talking about, like oh, it's it's better safety. Like, is is the Model Y, the new version of Model Y, different enough from the previous version where Tesla actually had to do have to do crash tests on it and I have to get uh, get that approved too? Like that, I don't know that. Like that, I would assume not. Otherwise, would have heard about that at this point, but. Uh, it's it's a very again a very strange situation. That that was the most disappointing part, I think, of the whole event. Like, talk to us a little bit more about this new made in Texas Model Y, because you think you you talk about how revolutionary it is in terms of manufacturing and everything, but it's also a new version of the Model Y that we don't know much about in terms of specs and pricing. Yeah. So, just some other notes on that. Um, that you know, we went through the paint factory. One of the paint guys said that there there's a totally new paint job. He came from Fremont. He's like, yeah, it's a new seven-layer paint. Um, it's going to be 
the, the cars are going to look a little different. You saw the red and the blue were a little bit more metallic-y. Um, but, you know, it's, it's hard to tell. Like, the white and the yeah. black are supposedly new as well, but they look the same. They look the same in person because, I, I honestly, the one that I thought was the most different was the black uh, in the drone video that we saw of the, of the new cars coming out of the factory. I thought it yeah, was... That- that one seemed like a matte, like a dark, like phantom. But yeah, the ones in the factory look kind of normal. Yeah, maybe the lightning is just different, yeah. even in the factory itself, because I don't know about the, the red. But I mean, it would make sense that you, you build a new paint shop, you're going to have, even if you're trying to get similar colors, like you said, it was a seven layer paint, I think, that, that yeah. they're doing in this, uh, in this factory. You're going to get a little difference. It's super hard to get the exact same color. Uh, anything else that that stood out from from the factory in terms of um... one cool thing is uh, they they make the motors there. Um, they were able to make the motors in a footprint half the size of uh, their old motor thing in I guess Fremont, um, the, Nevada. No, I think. Oh yeah, they, they the made the three mile wire thing made in Nevada. Yeah, um, so half half the square footage they've they've made it. Um, and the guy, the guy at the motor fa- uh, area was like, "Yeah, it's it's the uh, microprocessor ideology. They they were able to stack some things, and they were able to shorten some lines, and the whole thing takes up half the space. Which you know, obviously, uh, and it's more efficient. So all that stuff is going to matter when making uh, vehicle parts less expensive, quicker, all that stuff. So that's good." Did you get to see those uh, world's biggest uh, casting machines? Yeah, that thing is, it's massive. And, uh, you know, like it, it spits out basically, you know, the, the frame of the car for the most part. Um, there are two like pipes that go down the middle or down the the edges that connect to the bumpers. But for the most part, that's like the frame of the car, uh, which is cool. But like when you get in an accident, that's it <laughs> you know yeah that's the concern with the structural battery pack i know there was a bunch of videos that they release of uh battery the 4680 cells production at the factory but i assume they didn't let you get into those uh area of the, of the factory. no but i mean there were parts where you could see the the structural battery pack mm-hmm. uh, and, it, and it does seem like more as part of the car than like something that they affixed to the bottom but um yeah you're right they didn't they didn't give us enough of of that mm-hmm. no i mean there's a lot of things that that were impressive on the factory when, when he released those images of uh i'm still working on a bigger post on the factory but the, the the most interesting thing was the map of it if you compare the map of fremont to the map of uh, uh of uh, gigafactory texas the the pat the um the, uh, the the path of the, the the vehicle when it goes from uh, just raw materials into uh, the uh, final assembly line makes so much more sense than Fremont. Uh, obviously, oh, yeah. that like, like that's going to happen if you design a factory from the ground up versus like retrofitting one that that, that I don't know how old uh, uh, Numi was when Toyota and GM was operating it, but it was pretty old. Um, so that, that makes a big difference. But I like the reference to. Uh, uh, a system on a chip, basically like uh, a microchip. Like it, it, you could when he said that it was like obvious, like oh, oh yeah, it looks just like that. But during the presentation too, there was a few other tidbits of information that was interesting. Uh, Elon's basically announced a new Tesla vehicle coming. Yep. 
but this one it, it raises a few eyebrows. So he's talking about a futuristic looking dedicated robo taxi. So this is a, a brand new vehicle. Uh, let me get the actual quote here. There's going to be a dedicated robo taxi that is going to uh, look quite futuristic looking. Um, brand new vehicle designed from the ground up to be self-driving. So most likely no steering wheel, no um, no pedals, which of course, uh, if you've been following, the NHTSA recently changed the rules to allow that. So you can now design a vehicle from the ground up uh, without that. And that gives you a lot more freedom in designing a car because you basically don't have a driver's seat. Every seat is a passenger seat. So you can you can do like a rear-facing seat uh, and you can do a bunch of different things that make uh, uh, give you design freedom. But within the context of full self-driving, the development of full self-driving, uh, that's another thing that Elon said at the same time. Just before he said that, he said that he... He said that the goal right now is for every people that order the full self-driving package in North America to get the beta by the end of the year, which is a lot different than a million robot taxi on the road. Like, is getting the beta is, <laughs> I and I understand that the robot taxi goal is requires a regulatory approval, but. Here's the thing for the Tesla absolutist now that I like, think that Tesla is so far ahead of everyone in self-driving. And, and I, I get the argument to some degree based on the, the vision system and everything. But this whole idea that, oh, yeah, Tesla is basically there. Like the, the, whole, the, the bigger question is then when the regulatory approval is going to be there. You have other companies like Waymo and Cruise. I know it's geofence and everything. But they have achieved regulatory approval to have a commercial service robotaxi. They have that in San Francisco and in, in Phoenix in, in other markets. Like it's not it, it's not that difficult. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. It's definitely difficult, but it's not like uh, it's not the biggest question mark. Uh, like I don't like that argument that oh, this is basically the biggest question mark for Tesla. For Tesla, the biggest question mark is still achieving a truthful self-driving system. There's no doubt about it. Um, and now this idea that Tesla went away from like, oh, uh, safer than human driver by the end of the year, a million robot taxi by the end of the year. We don't hear that from Elon that much. Now, now what we heard yesterday was full self-driving beta for everyone that purchased full self-driving package in the U, uh, in North America so far, uh, which is not as ex- nearly as exciting as a... Uh, and, and but what <laughs> maybe what's a little bit exciting for some people, and maybe for you, said, uh, is that that implies that no more as the driver safety score because if everyone gets it, it doesn't matter if you have a good safety driver safety score or not. Yeah, uh, that is sort of exciting. Except, <laughs> so you know, there's always like, hey, am I crazy? Is you know, full self driving really a lot closer than I think, or a lot of the people that I talk to think? It was kind of refreshing to hear. Like I ran into uh, Brooks from Drag Times, um, great guy, um, a couple other people, and we, you know, we were all just chatting about full self driving, and we we're kind of like, "Is it is it working for you?" And you know, most of the people that we were talking to were like, "No, not at all. It doesn't seem like it's going to be ready anytime soon. Like it doesn't seem like it's going to be ready in a year or two years or three years." Like. It's improving and it does work on certain cir- circumstances, but like this, you know, the the, the full self driving robo taxis, it doesn't seem realistic in the anywhere near future. Um, so it was kind of strange to me then 
when you know Elon was saying something about you know full self driving, how many people here love it or whatever, mm-hmm. and everybody was like, yeah, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like those same people, you know, these are like the Tesla Twitter people were like, yeah, it's not working, <laughs> you know, privately one on one. So I don't know what's going on. It's like seems a little culty to me. Exactly. There, there is the an issue of like the feedback that Elon is getting, like, oh, that's something that I know I've been beating the drums on that, but I think his feedback loop is corrupted by the, the the cult of personality around him on Twitter, where a lot of these people, especially the early uh, user of the FSD beta, are, are are blowing this out of proportion, like how good it is when, in fact, there's a lot of issue with it. And I'm not saying it's not impressive. Like, this is an extremely difficult problem to solve, and um, and Tesla has made significant progress or solving it, but the last few percentage points that you need to achieve are like such a big deal that it's it's like you said it's hard to un- to to imagine how they can get there so fast. But Elon seems confident, and of course, there's always what, the only thing that's giving me optimism is like, all right, Tesla was. Didn't have that many people in the FSD beta for for a year, basically from October 2020 to uh, Q4 uh, 2021. There wasn't that many people. It's just been like three to six months that Tesla had like tens of thousands of people in the program. Uh, that 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 is more data. And if if Tesla was ready to get uh, sort of data into the neural nets and and use that to improve. Um, which, which we don't know for sure because, like, we've been talking about Dojo, for example, and our, our Dojo is not exactly completed yet, um, that they have, like, one cluster. And it sounded like they would need Dojo to have, like, automated uh, video annotation to, uh, to feed the, the neural nets for training. It's, so so the, the, there's a the big question mark around that. But if it was there and ready to go when they open up to tens of thousands of people, then, like, you, can, you start getting millions of miles a day. Then it's, I, I can see a, maybe a path to like much faster improvement, leading to something like good <laughs> later this year. But good, I don't, I don't, I don't I'm not saying it's going to be Rebel Taxi good, but good at least. Anyway, we uh, we we have uh, a chance who's uh, better known for uh, being one of the head writers at uh, 95 Mac who has had the beta. Now he was part of the, that wave of a lot more people getting it. Um, and uh, he, uh, he's preparing like a, a full new uh, report on it that uh, I think is going to go up on Electric this week. So you're going to get the like, first uh, hand review of it. Uh, and Chance has been using it in Texas. Texas, like a lot of open roads. Uh, like in, you know, they have season there, but like it's not like, a, like up north where... Uh, uh, it, it, it's too bad. So, like, I'm not just saying like about like using it in the winter, but like, I mean, if anyone if anyone's ever been to to Quebec, for example, like, even if you're not in the winter, uh, you see the remnant of the winter on the roads all the time because the winter destroys the road. So that also is another complication into using uh, autopilot and full self driving. So I think like places like California, obviously Texas, uh, Florida is a lot easier to uh, um, to use those FSD system. But from what I'm hearing from him for now, he's not <laughs> impressed either. So uh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, so now, so amid those people, even if you believe that Tesla can deliver a system like that with uh, the current hardware, there's been some people that have been cl- claiming that that's not even possible. 
because of like the quality of the cameras and uh, uh, that are used and even in the latest uh, version of uh, Tesla's vehicles, uh, some blind spot in it. Uh, com- computing has been an issue. Like uh, computing, like uh, you would you would think it's an issue that's fixed. Tesla called it the the hardware 3.0, the full self driving computer. So you would think it's fixed, but like uh, if they uh, they couldn't make it work twice because there was the the 2.0, the 2.5, and then the three, uh, there's still a chance that Tesla got it wrong and they need more computing power in those cars. Not that they will not be more computing powers anyway. Like you always want to improve, but uh, to achieve full self driving, they might this might need a need for more computing power in the car. So now the fact that Elon is now talking about a dedicated robo taxi. Uh, some people are starting to fear that okay, like is he is he trying to set the stage for the fact that you're actually going to need a different set of hardware in order to make full self driving work? Uh, I know I don't know if I agree with that um, based on these these comments, but I can understand the fear based on on this comment. Yeah, and, and precedent as well. You know, in 2016, uh, Tesla did a post saying. Uh, Autopilot hardware 2.5 is all the hardware you'll ever need for full self-driving. And uh, lo and behold, when the subscription came out, uh, people were forced to pay for an upgrade in 2,500 bucks or something to uh, hardware three. So, And we might have been blocked from Elon, from Elon Musk on Twitter for pointing that out, which is kind of, kind of nuts. Kind of silly. Yeah. Um, one thing that's, uh, kind of good news is the, um, kind of get a stronger timeline, I guess, for, uh, upcoming electric vehicles from Elon Musk. Um, if you remember in January, there was the product roadmap update that basically consisted of Elon saying that, uh, Tesla is not going to launch any new product in 2022, that the focus is going to be on scaling and that, uh, everything has been moved, uh, to at least next year. And even for the cyber truck, it was like, like, uh, hopefully next year, like it was, it was never clear. Uh, but now at, at the event, it was uh, it was uh, much much clearer about that. He said, "I'm quoting: Production of Cybertruck is coming next year. We will be in production with Roadster. It sounded like he was still saying like next year in 2023, and with Semi. That's all coming. This year is all about this year is all about scaling up, and next year there's going to be a massive wave of new products. Of course, by new products, it means like." Products that have been announced for a long time and been delayed. But, 2017, yeah, yeah, but still, like new uh, new products in production. Let's say. Right. Uh, so, like a quick reminder: uh, the uh, Tesla Semi and the Roadster were on at the same time in 2017, and they were supposed to come uh, uh, respectively in 2019 and two, uh, 2020. Both been delayed a bunch of time. The Roadster kind of indefinitely. Uh, Tesla Semi, it was always pushed like from 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. Now it's uh, 2023. Um, though there's been some production of it, but like extremely low volume, and it doesn't sound like Tesla is delivering those. Um, 2019, Tesla built a Cybertruck, famously to uh, a lot of praise and a lot of uh, confusion by some. Uh, and that was supposed to come right next year in 2020. Uh, was delayed into 2021, was delayed to 2022, and now it's officially delayed to 2023, but it's apparently coming. That's a little bit another thing that was kind of disappointing about the event, too, because, of course, Tesla uh, removed all the spec from the Cybertruck on its website, removed the pricing from its website, uh, has been promising a lot of updates on the truck, a lot of uh, upgrades, a lot of changes, new features and whatnot, and um, 
we've been waiting for for Tesla to to talk about those in more details and especially the specs and pricing. Give us the new trims, like we expect, like there was going to be a quad motor now uh, instead of a tri motor and a, a few other things, and but different like battery pack sizes uh, or at least give us the range on them. And uh, there was this whole thing about bringing the truck, like friends uh, Van Holsen uh, came, Tesla's chief designer came up on stage with the truck, and they did this whole gag about, oh, we're gonna throw something in the window again. Yeah. Uh, I thought for sure that that, like, oh, they they're setting it up to now talk about the new version of the truck or whatever, but nope. Uh, all they did is say that uh, it's gonna be better than ever. It's gonna be worth the wait and everything. Which they is- did show the lack of door handles. Yeah, which we saw, and that was like like there was nothing new with the the Cybertruck prototype. Like you, you sent me a bunch of pictures earlier of, a, of that you took, took a close look, and it looks exactly like the one that like Joe Rogan showed a few months ago, right. and that, that we saw the Freeman factory being tested. It looks the same. Yeah, I have to say it looks a little rough. Like it, it doesn't feel like production is very close. It the one that they showed. I, you know, maybe this is one that's from a couple of years ago or whatever. But it like all you know. Of, of course, there's always the panel gap thing. But these like the nothing fit together right. It felt really. Yeah, I know this that too. I mean, it is a prototype, and yeah. look, it, not only it's a prototype. Like I, I think that Tesla literally hasn't really invented the production technique needed to do the exoskeleton on that truck. Right. Uh, so I, I think it's probably like not a real exoskeleton on that truck right now. Like it's just like it, they have a design for it that they, they they know what they want, but it's probably not it. This is probably not really the. the it the looks truck like just bent sheet metal. Exactly. So exactly that's what it looks like. So um, hopefully, if if the I hope that they have figured that out at least in theory, and now they're gonna they put it in practice, but. Um, the pro- I, I I do believe that this, this, the production version is going to be a lot better looking than this. It's just that when like I the there was a lot of talk about why was it delayed so much and uh, was it delayed like uh, the the thing that made the most sense for most people is like they just don't have the battery capacity right now uh, to do it because that truck's going to need a lot of batteries. Uh, so it's just better off this is better off like using the capacity for Model Three, Model Y, S and X. But I think the factor is going to be too, like trying to figure out this whole origami style exoskeleton uh, way to build a car because not brand new. So we, the, I, I'm just setting the stage like there might be further delays because of that if if they have issues uh, figuring that out. All right, we have a few other Tesla news this week that are not really related to the the event. Uh, quick note on the. Delivery results, it's a, they were released last Saturday after we released the podcast. I know it's always already a week old, but just discuss them real quick. Uh, another delivery records, 310,000 vehicles delivered in Q1 2022. Uh, that uh, slightly uh, beats the previous all-time high of 305,000 vehicles. Uh, but, um, no, no, sorry, sorry, 2008, uh, yeah, 300,008 vehicles. That was in Q4 2021. So they beat that by about 2,000 units, uh, which is impressive considering that there was a few more issues in Q1. Q1 is always a little bit lower. You have like vacation time for a lot of people that, that comes in. Uh, you have like the, the first, uh, the Chinese New Year. You have the normally a shutdown related to that, uh, especially with supplier issue and whatnot. So normally Q1 is always a little bit uh, slower. 
but it wasn't for deliveries this time. It was a, one of the first time that he went up from Q4 to Q1 and gave another deli- uh, delivery record. The production went down slightly, uh, basically stayed the same because it was 205,840 last quarter. And this quarter was 305,400, so just 400 uh, car difference, barely. But now, um, so that 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 made it a very impressive seven consecutive quarter uh, of delivery increase for Tesla. So very impressive, obviously. Now I'm still like, and people thought, oh, like, like 2022 is not going to be a problem for for that for Tesla to keep that thing going because they just opened Berlin. Uh, now they are opening Texas. Like this is going to maybe not contribute too much in Q2, but in Q3, in Q4, why not? It's just that the problem right now is Shanghai is still Tesla's most productive factory, and it has been shut down for uh, 11 days now. I think today, uh, due to COVID restrictions in Shanghai, they have massive lockdowns. So this is this is starting to be a problem for Tesla because now we're talking about twenty two thousand cars that uh, Tesla is missing out on at least, um, and uh, apparently they're not going to be able to open to at least tomorrow, and even then that's not sure. And and there was another shutdown in, in March too. Uh, well, the shutdown started in March, so that contributed to to the lower production capacity, lower deliveries. So Tesla would have done better in Q one um, because uh, without without those issues. But still impressive result. It's just now now I'm starting to worry a bit about Q2 with the Shanghai still being shut down. Uh, there was a quick increase in uh, a small increase in Model Three prices for uh, the nickel-based battery, the trims with the nickel-based battery packs. Yeah, I'm not saying that it is because of nickel. I'm just saying that it happens to to, to be linked to, to those. So uh, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Uh, for those that haven't been following, nickel prices are up 62 percent so far this year. In just three months, uh, a lot of that has been uh, due to um, the Russian invasion in Ukraine and the uh, restriction that are put on uh, Russian exports since. Uh, but uh, yeah, so this is the Model Three long range went from fifty four thousand five hundred to fifty six thousand, and the performance version went up from sixty two thousand to sixty three thousand. So the the rear wheel drive version, the uh, standard range that they used to call it uh, is still at $47,000. That's the one with the iron phosphate uh, LFP battery cells. Again, I'm not saying that that's because of that, that it's not it, but it does happen that they only increase the price on the nickel base. And then the argument would be like, they didn't increase the price of the Model Y at the same time, but they did increase the price of the Model Y a lot more over the last few weeks. So maybe they just didn't need to uh, this time around. Uh, Elon and the Biden administration are getting a little bit closer. Uh, we know that uh, we reported, sorry, a few months, a few weeks ago, that Biden finally acknowledged Tesla as the biggest EV producer in the U.S. That followed uh, months of uh, what Elon and a lot of Tesla fans uh, saw as like a slight at Tesla by uh, the Biden administration not never mentioning Tesla. And of course, there was the famous comment that he made about Mary Barra uh, crediting her for for being basically like single-handedly electrifying the auto industry, which is obviously madness. Especially like a, tw- a, a quick a quick comparison, just last quarter in Q1, GM delivered 400, 400 That's it, four hundred EVs. Tesla delivered three hundred thousand. So, just obviously, GM has a thousand had, times more. No big deal. Yeah, has an issue 
sort of out of its control with uh, the LG batteries, with the Chevy Bolt, Chevy Bolt EV and EUV. Though I, I kind of blame GM too a little bit on that too because like the they didn't handle that situation very well either. Like they, it took them a while to actually get on top of it. Uh, uh, if you compare it to like Hyundai having a similar situation with the Kona and the the uh, they were on top of it a lot faster. And they they're delivering new Kona now, <laughs> um, uh, while uh, GM is just uh, just this week restarted production of the Bolt EV and Bolt EUV. Um, so at least we should see more deliveries this quarter. There's uh, of course the the Hummer uh, contributed for 100 units last quarter. Hopefully a uh, little more this quarter. And there's the Lyric. The Kazakh Lyric is kind of uh, we don't know what's happening exactly. We know they started production last quarter on it. Uh, but the the GM has ne- never wanted to actually confirm when deliveries are going to start on it, so we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Usually, uh, when they have a lyric event, like a drive event, they mm-hmm. that that usually lines up with like the first deliveries. And my understanding is like that is planned for June, so I think that's when they'll they'll start delivering. Okay, sounds good. Uh, June, uh, yeah, and, and they said that May is when uh, uh, they open up orders again, though. Oh well, yeah. I think they're gonna they would time the orders with the the reviews because the reviews like is it, gonna bring more orders. I would think. Well, we'll see. We'll see. All right. The other big news this week was uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was a big deal. So uh, when I say buying Twitter, it's not buying the whole platform, but he's already the largest shareholder of the platform. So what uh, was revealed on Monday with. Uh, an SEC filing uh, was that uh, you know like you, you have to file the SEC when you start uh, owning more than five percent of uh, of a company, and uh, turns out that he had uh, already at that point nine point one percent of the company. So uh, Elon filed for uh, um, disclosing his uh, his stake in the platform, which he actually started buying back in January. So it's been a few months that he's been buying the the. The stock, which is kind of strange too, because uh, it was just last month that he was still talking about building a, a competing uh, social platform. For some reason, uh, it was like Twitter is like no going nowhere with the free speech and whatnot. So he was still floating this idea, but he was already really invested in a company at that point. And of course, then he, he increased his stake um, to nine point one percent, worth three billion dollars in the company. And uh, so that was revealed on Monday. And we know that Elon is not like really a passive investor. It's not really his thing. He famously said that he doesn't own any public stock other than Tesla's. Uh, he's, all, of course, a big shareholders in other companies like SpaceX, uh, the Boring Company, Neuralink. But uh, those are all private companies. So this is this is his first big investment in a public company that isn't that he doesn't uh, that he hasn't started or is uh, in the leadership of. Uh, there was a. For people who don't didn't follow that, I don't I don't even know if we reported on it on Electric, but uh, he he was named to the board of Endeavor, uh, the Endeavor Group last year, which kind of surprising because I mean I know he's a UFC fan. Uh, Endeavor is the uh, holding company of the UFC, and um, but also the like William Morris Agency and uh, and like the, a bunch of beauty pageants, Miss Universe, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a talent agency. Kind yeah, of. it's. A, Talent agency, but I think at this point the UFC is responsible for like most of the revenue uh, in in the valuation of the company because they bought that they bought the UFC setting for like seven billion dollars and and the the group is not valued at that much. Uh, so 
it was name on the board of the company, but he was just on the board for a few months. Uh, of course, uh, it was uh, I'm sure it was disclosed that he had a few share, but it was nothing significant. Uh, he resigned from that board. Now is getting on the Twitter board too, uh, which is not too surprising because he's literally now the biggest, uh, not just individual shareholder, even all, more share that like multiple mutual funds like Vanguard and things like that. Like he's the single largest. Twitter uh, shareholder period. Even Jack Dorsey, uh, who of course has been like kind of phasing out of, of Twitter for a while now, but uh, even resigned from from being CEO earlier this year. Uh, I think he owns like two percent Jack Dorsey, so it's uh, it's clear we are going to have the most influence on Twitter now. It's going to be likely Elon. And uh, this week they made him a board member, uh, but a lot of people were starting to think, okay, Elon might be kind of doing some kind of hostile takeover here, uh, the way that he was aggressively buying stake in the company, uh, talking about having influence on the company and whatnot. Uh, so as part of the deal of giving him a board seat, they made a deal that he cannot own more than 14.9% of the company. So he might still be buying more shares uh, right now, uh, but uh, his, uh, his stake is going to be, as long as he's on the board, he cannot own more than 14.9%. Uh, this the you might just quit the board and uh, start buying more again and then try to take over. But for now, it looks like Elon is okay with trying to change things from inside within within the board. Uh, so he's, he's talked about like practical changes, like adding a knitted button and, and, and things like that. But uh, I think from what he's, he's been saying on, on, on the platform lately, his goal is more about um, uh, deeper changes in the culture at Twitter that are uh, more th- uh, towards free speech rather than uh, um, the platform has been known to ban a lot of people. They always say that it's for changing their term, that for um, violating their term of in services. But there's been this idea that uh, the platform is censoring uh, certain opinions. And people have been arguing, especially on the right, that it's mostly more conservative ideas and a less progressive one, let's say. And and Elon, of course, says that he's a free speech absolutist. So it's uh, it's getting a very interesting development because, of course, Elon is a big uh, influence on that platform. And this is basically where we get most of our Tesla news now that Tesla doesn't really have a PR department to push things out. It's just him on the platform sharing things. And uh, now he's literally like one of the biggest, the, the biggest investor on the platform. Anything to say about that, Seth? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to see where it's going to go. Uh, it could go, obviously, a lot of different directions. Uh, you know, the the billionaire shouldn't control the uh, the mediums of communication. Part of me is like not really feeling great about the situation, um, particularly because you know, obviously, we take in and, and put out a lot of information um, on Twitter. So, um, you know, just having anybody in control of that and, you know, and Elon doesn't typically do things passively um, is a little bit disconcerting um, because, you know, in the past, Elon for us um, specifically has not been open to um what did, what did he call it? Uh, negative criticism? No. Ne- uh, feedback. Negative feedback. So, uh, you know, the specific example we, we had was we did a story about how uh, people with the 2.5 hardware were, were going to have to pay to go to the 
full self-driving subscription when um, in 2016, and it's still up on Tesla's site. Uh, they say that uh, the 2.5 hardware is the only hardware you'll ever need for full self-driving. We we called that out. We said, hey, that, how can you say this when you have this on your website? It's all, you know, basically all we said was like, how can you have these two things coexisting in the same reality? And, um, you know, obviously. And, and we suggested like a solution to an, like where. An easy solution. Yeah, an easy solution. Like uh, if if you were read about the cash flow related to that situation, make it credit on the subscription model so that people at least don't just get the new computer and subscribe out. And then you like, yeah, you're, you're uh, out of whatever is the actual value of the computer. But like people are going to have to at least use the subscription model for however many months it is before you pay back the, the computer. That, right. that seemed like a, a very reasonable suggestion. But uh, Elon then blocked the electric account and blocked me personally, even though I didn't even write the article. <laughs> and, yeah, I was sleeping when that came out. I, I, did, I, I think I did come up with a solution, though I did hide it after the article after the fact. Uh, but... Uh, and I didn't say anything to Elon about it, uh, and he, he blocked it. Yeah, it's it's frustrating because we've kind of gone back and forth, uh, you know, in his favor and uh, you know not in his favor, and you know to have him own the platform or you know a, a controlling interest in the platform, and that seems a little bit scary. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't don't really think that's gonna. I don't think it's gonna end well. Is is basically what I'm saying. I'm I'm worried it's not. Gonna yeah, end well. especially like. <laughs> As dumb as it sounds, like Elon's Twitter feed is literally the biggest source of information about Tesla right now, and he, and he's he, the way he's using it, it, it is kind of a, a bit. It, it, it leaves room uh, to to question what are his intention with uh, the information control here? Like he's big about like open source and, and, and free speech, but he has a giant distrust of the media and journalists, which I can understand to a degree, but not to a degree of like, you were just at the, at the Tesla event, like the biggest Tesla event of the year. Uh, were there any journalists there? Any, any press? Uh, just people who also own Teslas and yeah. were, you know, it was it was basically like fan press, like people like 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 us basically was like we we I was there get in because like we get in through the owner's network basically. Right. Yeah. Uh so there was I'm sure like the Tesla Ready people were there too. Yeah. Yeah, Tesla Owners Club. So my like if it, so the media has a role in those places. Like you, they're gonna ask questions that are a little bit more challenging. They're not the most comfortable question, everything. But um, so sometimes they are important. Not always. Sometimes they're dumb and and like you should already know the answer and whatnot. But they are more challenging question when you just have a bunch of Tesla super fan there. Like they're they're not really gonna challenge anything. And so the way it sounds to me, it sounds lazy a bit from me. You know, like it's just it's, it's taking the easy way out on this. And and you see him do that on Twitter. You see him on, on Twitter. He interacts only with the people that are uh, praising him and the company all the time. And uh, sometimes he will address some uh, a little bit of negative feedback, but normally it's extremely minor stuff. He he doesn't go into the the, the deeper like real issues, uh, which uh, uh, not to toot our own horn on electric, but we we have uh, 
we have done that several times. Like we, even though we are a big fan of Tesla and especially Tesla's mission and Elon Musk himself, um, we, uh, we, we don't shy away from like, hey, like the, I think there's something wrong going on here. Uh, not that we always get uh, get things right too. Like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not like you can challenge us too on, on that. But for from the most part, I think like we uh we, we try to be in the best interest of the mission and uh, consumers. I think that's we that's our approach basically. And uh, we're not we're not allowed to do that anymore. Literally, like uh, you know, you you got in the, in the event itself, but it's not like you were able to ask you know any question or anything like that. Uh, and and we were we used to be able on Twitter to do it, uh, but of course we were blocked and we were not able to anymore. And you mentioned this whole uh, full self driving thing that seems to be the what got us kicked out. Uh, but obviously there was a ramp up before that uh, that started in 2019 where he announced that Tesla is closing all the stores. That's when we uh, we are reporting on that was a lot more critical, of course. And uh, and then the move was reversed, and then Elon said that it became anti-Tesla at this point. But we kind of came back from that at some point, and we're actually talking to Elon on on Twitter, like DMing and whatnot. Like, uh, and it's super useful. I'm not gonna hide it. It's super useful to have access to him because, like, literally, the guy is the leader of one of the biggest company in the world right now, and some of the information that he gets out that is like significant info news on on the one of the biggest companies of the world is literally like one sentence in a tweet uh and we have to work with that as uh as reporters <laughs> and it can be challenging obviously uh to to work with just one sentence we used to be able to like uh reach out to test the pr get some context though to be fair a lot of the times they would just refer us back to elon's twitter and but it so it is useful to like just reached out to Elon is like, can you elaborate on this? Can you elaborate on that? But um, now he's cut that out completely. And again, not just from us, from any kind of uh, media that is challenging. He, he basically picked a fight with uh, <laughs> every major publication that has uh, followed him, uh, that, that has reported on him over the years. Um, but anyway... Right. I- and and speaking to some of our colleagues from like uh, you know the, the bigger news like CNBC and Bloomberg and and such, um, they were even surprised that we were going to the event. Like they you know that they thought that like we would be you know as journalists like blackballed from like and it, it's not necessarily that journalists are blackballed. They just they don't care. Mm-hmm. Like oh you're from the Wall Street Journal, doesn't matter. You're not going. So, uh, I, I'm uh, uh, I'm wondering like where this is gonna go in the future, like uh, where this can go. Like, is it gonna get better, or is just like this is this is the new status quo right now, and it's gonna be like that? Uh, obviously, the slate is doing well right now, like that. Um, in, in terms of uh, of sales and and the the, the financially and, and whatnot. I just, I'm just wondering if it cannot um, devolve into something like where, because you know, power. If because now Tesla is not the the little startup trying to 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 get uh, to disrupt the the market right now. It's a trillion dollar company. It's a it's it's the establishment to a degree now. And Elon Musk is an extremely powerful person. Is not is not like the little scrappy uh, uh, coder 
uh, physicists that is that that is disrupting the internet and then uh, SpaceX and whatnot. Like now he's he has the biggest space company in the world, the biggest car company in the world per valuation, one of the biggest energy company in the world. To you couldn't make the argument that he's establishment with a great mission, a positive mission, and I think he's sincere with that mission. Uh, but with a lot of power, if it if it's left on challenge, which it seems to be where it's going right now in terms of uh, uh, not unchallenged by the media, um, at least directly. And the media, of course, you can you can post whatever you want about it, but uh, no no response from it, like just ignoring it. That just doesn't sound healthy to me <laughs> at all. Uh, so I, I'm I'm scared that in the long term it's gonna it's gonna turn bad. I, I just I yeah. just see something coming, but obviously, as I say that, I I, I understand that it's there's a it's selfish at the same time. Like obviously, if we had access, it would be better for us and, and whatnot. Like I understand that too, but I try to separate myself from that and think about it. And I'm like, as, as, as instead of taking it as a, a someone that it's in the media industry and trying to do that, I take it as a as a Tesla fan, which I was a Tesla fan first. Everyone like obviously like a, and, and still am a Tesla fan. I'm like as a Tesla fan. I'm like I don't think that's good. Even if I like yep. don't if it, electric wasn't one of the media that gets included back into the the loop anymore. I'm like uh, this, it's it would still be better. I think. Right, but of course, electric is the best EV media out there and should be back in the loop. But <laughs> that's just my opinion. All right, uh, we uh, we're gonna have to talk about the Hummer a little bit because if you missed it, uh, and you probably did, with all that's <laughs> been happening this week, uh, Seth released his uh, review of the well, a review, especially first drive review of the uh, GMC Hummer AV. So we're gonna get to that. But if you guys have any question, uh, put it in the comment section. I know there's not a lot of people right now because uh, we uh, we started the show a lot earlier than we used to because Seth has to fly out. Uh, soon to come back to New York. But uh, if you have any questions, put them in the comment section right now. I want to get to them. But yeah, uh, nice review set and uh, a lot of uh, nice images. If you guys love drone images, there was a few good shots of that and you driving into the off-road, into the desert. Yeah, a ton of fun. And it was good to mix the, the drone DJ and the, uh, the electric <laughs> uh, stuff. So, you know, I got I got some uh, Mavic 3 footage using the new AcroTrack 5 follow feature. Uh, which you know we're doing a separate post on on drone DJ for, but anyway, back to the the Hummer. Uh, it's a crazy vehicle, super sized in every way. You know they call it the super truck. Um, I feel like it's the super sized truck because it's just absurd. The two hundred two two or four kilowatt hour battery pack is enough for four cars, like a standard range uh, model. Uh, sorry, standard range model three has a fifty something kilowatt hour battery pack so four times that size um you know it weighs nine thousand pounds that's four times the size of a, of a light car um so when you have a convoy of them like that like driving in the road i feel like gm especially because it's like a, a media test drive so gm is responsible i feel like they have to like pay the the, the local government that is has to redo the that, that road because yeah. you have like a million pounds of driving at the same time on this it's uh it's pretty crazy you know what though it doesn't feel like a heavy truck when you drive it because it's electric it and it's very responsive it it feels quite light they have this thing called watts to freedom which we talked about earlier um or wtf um where it's like launch mode and um it goes zero to 60 quite fast i would say not quite as fast as the rivian you know because it's a nine thousand pound vehicle but um 
you know, close to three seconds, pretty close to the Rivian. Um, and what's kind of weird about it is because there's such a big suspension and the tires are, you know, so, so large when you gun it, it's kind of like a motorboat. The front goes up and maybe that's where that rumor of the, uh, being able to do a wheelie came in, but like the front actually goes up in the air and you, you, you lose some visibility, um, because the hood is up and it, it does feel like if you've ever driven a motorboat, it does feel like that a little bit. Um, but that's just because of the, you know, huge suspension and the travel there and the, and the, and the big tires. But, you know, like, obviously I'm not a Hummer. Like I'm not in the group of people that GM is selling to. So, you know, if you are in this group, like this is a, a fantastic vehicle, I would choose this over an Escalade or a, like, you know, a, a Raptor, F-150 Raptor. I'm trying to think of what other vehicles are in this class or I guess an old Hummer or, you know, a, a Dodge Ram, he, uh, Hemi, blah, 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 whatever. Um, it's a, it's a great vehicle. It's quiet. Um, Super Cruise worked, you know, it was, it was a treat. Like it was actually boring. I was, I was sitting on the you, road. And, you can see a little bit here, the, the, the front going up. Yeah. It's uh, look at it, the suspension it, here. And it even drops a little bit. Yeah. Um, so like the suspension actually goes down. What's wrong with this video? <laughs> it keeps flashing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, interior, super nice. Uh, it's a cool motif, uh, that they got, they brought in some external, uh, designers that have done some great work. Um, the switches are cool. Huh? Uh, I, I bet they, I, don't, I haven't been in it yet, but, uh, I bet they feel satisfying to click. Like it, it looks satisfying to click. Yeah. And the, and the UI is, is mm. solid. Um, it's, it's kind of like, in, interestingly, it's definitely not like, you know, Chevy Bolt, um, kind of feel, it doesn't feel like an old school, uh, GM car. It's, it's definitely new. Um, so interior is nice, vented seats, lots of interior room. Um, you can take the top off, which, the is, top. Yeah. which is quite easy. Actually, uh, it's just two levers for each piece of glass. There's four pieces of glass. You can put them in the front if you're driving around or, you know, in the garage where most people will put them. Um, the, the back window, uh, rolls down like, just like any other window. And, um, even the top bar, there's a bar between the, the glass. Uh, you can unbolt that. That's like four bolts. It takes a little bit longer, but you know, in five minutes that you go, you can go topless in this thing. And it, you know, the T bar <coughs> T tops kind of reminded me of you know, smoking the bandit kind of seventies Camaro or Trans Am. Uh, look anyway, uh, lots of fun taking it off road with the top down was fun. Got a little bit of dust, um, in the nasal passages, but going to survive, uh, just a really fun over the top vehicle over to over the top in every way. I think the people who have, you know, a hundred thousand dollars to spend on a, a play toy truck are going to love it. And it can be your daily driver too, even though, because that, that's the thing. Like, if you have a gas Hummer, especially these days, 
you feel uh, horrible going to the the gas station to the not the gas station. Well, you feel horrible going to the gas station for sure, but doing the grocery store with it, like just doing a quick grocery run, burning gas for that, an insane amount. You do consume a lot of electricity for that, but if you are in a place where the renewable energy, if you have solar on your on, on your truck, I think it, it can be your daily driver as well as a uh, like you, you said, your toy truck to, uh, to to go play around. Yep, it's a good uh, it's a good compromise. You got you got some crazy charging out of that too. I saw you send me some pictures, huh? Yeah, so um, that wasn't me, but um, there was pictures of, or there was an example of it charging at like close to what was it, three hundred kilowatts? Oh yeah, I think three fifty. Yeah. yeah, I mean it, it's basically two Cadillac Lyric batteries stacked on top of each other, and the Lyric charges at one ninety kilowatts, so it can obviously take twice that much. Um, what else? I mean, I guess my big takeaway from this is they're not making a ton of these. These are for a very, you know, like celebrity, um, sports, rapper, you know, whatever <laughs> type of group of people. And those people are coming away from, ga- you know, huge gas guzzlers. It's fine. Um, this is kind of a halo car, uh, you know, kind of like what the, the Roadster 2 could have been or may someday be, where it just beats a gas equivalent in every single way like speed quiet you know all the stuff and it's it's a it's a great vehicle it's just just over the top in every single way yeah if it could be the new like go-to uh for rappers and celebrity like the g-wagon is or the range rover is if it could be replaced with that that like that's that's a plus for that's a win that's a win for everyone and uh, like even if like the average kid that's like a big fan of like oh the rapper and everything like uh, and, and instead of seeing them in a the, in the gas guzzling g wagon you see them in the electric vehicle even if you're never going to be able to buy the armor ev it gets you thinking about electric vehicle like other what other electric vehicles are out there like this is all good stuff i think all right so we only have a few questions all right this time um ray Wybie says how will someone buying a model y know or control it coming from austin yeah, that's uh, you probably missed the beginning of the show here. That's what we discussed. Like this is this is the the most disappointing part about that event where we don't even understand how the new version at the Austin factory fits into the lineup right now. Uh, my main um, theory is that th- the production is still extremely low right now. Uh, Tesla is delivering them either just to employees or maybe he's reaching out to uh, people that have long time order on the Model Y long range. And offering them to upgrade or, I mean, upgrade or downgrade, depending on you see it, because it's like an upgrade that you get the new battery pack and whatnot, but technically a downgrade in range and hopefully a downgrade in price. <laughs> uh, so for, for that, that's that's all I, I'm, I'm thinking. That's my main theory. Uh, but I would like to see Tesla add that vehicle to the to the website uh, so, some point soon. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I, let me just uh, like I know it's not the main question, but like you have Mark Never here saying that set nine point one percent or even fourteen point nine does not give him a controlling interest. I get what you're saying. You're you're obviously right, but this is Elon Musk you're talking about. Uh, if that makes him the largest single uh, shareholder. So even though if it's not a controlling interest, he has the most power on the board technically. And you know what happened as soon as Elon Musk 
uh, was disclosed that Elon Musk has a stake in the company, the stock went up 25%. Why did that stock went up 25%? Because a, a bunch of Elon Musk fans started buying the company. Uh, that gives him a ton of influence. Like that, him buying, all his fans buying, he, he, he's going to, like, if he decides to vote something on the board and he lets people know this is what I'm voting on this particular issues. You, you're going to have a wave of people that's going to back him. It's basically the equivalent as a controlling interest, if you ask me. That's what's happened at Tesla. Elon owns, what, 21% of the Tesla stock? It's not a controlling interest in the company. Try to get something past him on the board. Try right. it. It's almost impossible. And then, you know, if he backs out of it, the reverse happens, right? Yeah. So if, 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 you know, if Twitter wants to do something without Elon and says, Hey, you can hit the road. He can sell all the shares and all of his fans will sell their shares and the stock will drop 30%. So, uh, there is, there is some of that. All right. Uh, moving on G Lawless, do you know where and when Tesla is planning on making Optimus? He made it sound like it's going to be a uh, Texas, right? Yeah, it sounds like it. I'll but then at the same time, please. when he, when he did the the whole uh, map of the of the factory, like future production was took a, like a relatively smart part of the factory, which I thought would be the Cybertruck. Which the Cybertruck I know is going to be a lot volume wise won't take that much because of the whole uh, body structure and everything. It's gonna it, it should like, actually be a super efficient in terms of um, production space. But uh, a million cars that they want to produce out of there, like it's this kind of, is going to be pretty wild. Um, but like like you said, though, there's three stories to to this building, so they could fit that in a specific spot. Also, they have uh, 2,500 acres there; they can make another building. Though I don't think they can make that if they want to enter production as soon as next year. Uh, so yeah, but I think Gigafree takes this. Looks like it's going to be the the place for it. Yeah, and there's a lot of space there now, so. Um... We'll see. All right. Uh, Adam Wilcox says, any insight into the new battery production volume in Texas now? I didn't, didn't share anything in the presentation, obviously. I don't think they shared anything with anyone there at the during the tour. No. Um, they did have that little short about uh, 4680s being built there um, from raw materials. So theoretically, they can double it. You know, They just have to make more of the machines that are making the machines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... I think it's kind of infinitely scalable as long as they can continue to get um, the raw materials and they have the demand, which seems like on and unending at the moment, at the moment. Yeah. The demand is unending, but like the supply is, is the issue. And that's the reason why I'm so bullish on Tesla versus basically any other automaker is that they saw that coming from a mile away compared to everyone else. Everyone, everyone knew that all like, but, Supply raw material supply for battery production is not anywhere near where it needs to be to uh, switch the whole fleet to electric vehicle. Everyone knew that, but everyone was looking at the Bloomberg New Energy uh, timeline, like and like the uh, this is what's going to be and everything like like that. Like and of course that timeline uh, to Bloomberg's credit, they keep updating it every year and making it more aggressive. But people like us, people like Tesla. I've been on a completely different timeline for years. Uh, so when Tesla says that they uh, plan a production capacity for the Model Y of half a million car a year at Geoferry, Texas, they've been planning that for years too. For the time that they were building that factory, they've been building the supply chain for it for years. And 
this is completely different from any other automaker that most of them have only like flipped that switch in the last year or two. Uh, Tesla has flipped that switch 10 years ago. And maybe maybe they couldn't like secure the supply 10 years ago, obviously, because they weren't in a, a secured position en- enough to do it. But in the last few years, since it became uh, such a big company uh, and, and such a financially successful company, they have. They've, they are making those huge deals right now uh, to be able to secure the supply for, for long term. And, uh, and Elon made it clear that that's the goal this year right now. It's the scaling up. It's preparing for the scale up, the massive scale that's going to be needed. Uh, so I, I don't think this – while I do believe other automakers' commitment to electric vehicle, I don't know how ready they are supply chain-wise. The, the, the one that I'm most optimistic about is uh, Volkswagen because uh, – uh, and funny enough, it's because of Dieselgate. They, basically, after the Dieselgate, they flipped that switch. So that was uh, 2015, maybe 2016, they actually flipped that switch completely, I think. Uh, not completely because there was still some uh, fighting back internally, but they started making the first step in 2016 toward that. Uh, Arbor Diaz is, is, is to be credited for that, obviously. Um, but I think I think that the uh, uh, and you know they've been smart. They made investment in Nordvolt, for example. That was a smart investment. I think they they are uh, they are in good footing to be like the biggest manufacturer in Europe for batteries. Uh, the, uh, the quantum scape, the quantum scape is more long term. I think, like they're in a good position. GM is is not too bad too with the LG uh, deal. Like that's uh, that's was probably a good deal for them uh, long term. But it was late. I think it was a little bit late. Uh, I think it's going to be a while before you see the kind of volume from GM that you see from Tesla now. So yeah, I'm super bullish for Tesla. Even though I have my disagreement really with Elon Musk and and with Tesla. Uh, the the volume wise and and it's quite it's kind of weird too like we 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 just a few years ago like Tesla manufacturing was not like was looked down upon as like like this this is not like this is a great technology company but they're not, they don't production is not their forte like now it's a completely other way around like everyone has to look at Tesla as like a, a master of production basically yeah and hopefully the quality continues to improve. Yeah, yeah, there's still some issues with that, and, and we keep an eye on that for sure. All right, well, uh, that's it for the show this week. Thanks a lot for listening to this kind of uh, Cyber Rodeo special, though we had time to cover other things too. If you did like the show, please give us a thumbs up on whatever platform you're watching right now. It helps the algorithm. Uh, we love the algorithm, even though we would <laughs> like them to be open source like Elon Musk on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, and uh, if you're listening on your podcast app, please give us a five-star review. That helps a lot, too. Uh, Nanda Hall said, Tesla Con time. I think that's where you're going right now, Seth. Is yeah, it- I'll, I'll be there in like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time.